right, we're in the, uh, the book of Zechariah, chapter 5, um, and we will find uh, that Zechariah continues to tell us things uh, that are symbolic of that which is and that which is to come. Uh, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, as we open your holy book, we want to recognize you are a holy and righteous God. And there is none like you ever. You are the only true God. Uh, Father, we lay our lives down before you. We claim your ownership. Uh, we give ourselves for your glory. And Lord, we come to you for that which we need. And you, through the cross of Jesus Christ, and by your spirit uh, and in your wisdom uh, have worked in our lives, each differently, but each with the uh, intention that we should become like your son. Uh, and he never considered uh, his own works apart from the fact that you were working in him uh, and he confessed that uh, he only uh, did that which he saw you do so Lord uh, we call ourselves Christians know that you have given us your spirit that we might not rest or be content uh, with any work that is not of you done to us. And so, Lord, uh, there are many uh, who will follow you for a time. And Lord, we thank you for your chastening in our lives and times past. And we pray, Lord, that um, chastening for us um, would not be harsh as uh, at one time I know it was uh, for myself. But Lord, uh, we trust you. We trust you in all that you do in us. And we thank you that we know you by the Spirit. We thank you that we know you in the Son. And we thank you that you are our Father. And in your name we pray. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. So we'll start off tonight in chapter 5 of Zechariah. Remember that it's uh, in the Bible. It does not... Uh, to, to get its full impact, Lord, we have to understand that uh, both uh, Haggai and Nehemiah and Ezra were also involved in the work uh, of bringing uh, the nation of Israel back into a uh, living entity when for 70 years they had uh, been sent away, their land uh, had been uh, taken over by all sorts of people, that Israel was totally destroyed. Um, and we wondered, Lord, and we know that just about 550 years after this time, again, you would destroy uh, this place of Israel's habitation. Uh, and this time, they will be absent from the land for over 1900 years. But Father, now since 1948, you have brought many of those people uh, back into what we call a promised land. But for the most part, they do not know you. And they are surrounded by enemies on all sides. Uh, Lord, we know that a great time of trouble uh, is coming to this earth. And we know that primarily uh, you are bringing that time uh, so that your people, once and for all, as they are back in the land, will also, uh, when Jesus Christ actually returns at the end of the tribulation period, that they will recognize their Redeemer, and they never, uh, as a nation, will stray away from you again. And Lord... Uh, and so you tell us, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we do, Lord. We pray that you would uh, bring your spirit to that place and to the whole nation of Israel, that you would enlarge your borders and you would set up your, your rule the rule of Jesus Christ as king over the earth from that place. And we even know that, that it will last for a thousand years. Yet 
uh, there will still be uh, evil not totally dealt with in the earth that you will do and bring an end to all evil. And Lord, we will see it all. So we thank you, Lord, for being privileged to be yours. We thank you that we are saved by grace. And we thank you that we are redeemed by the blood of your son. And we thank you that uh, it was the joy set before him uh, that allowed him to endure that cross. And we give him all praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Starting with chapter five, uh, we are working, according to Schofield, uh, on vision number eight, uh, and uh, uh, Zechariah says these things to us. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying roll. It probably would be better to be said, uh, to, to call it a scroll. Uh, because, and he said unto me, what saith thou? And I answered and said, a flying roll. The length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof is about 10 cubits. Uh, we can only assume that this roll, our scroll, was written as the one that was delivered to Ezekiel. Uh, and you remember also in Revelation that uh, a scroll was given to John. Uh, and so those three scrolls certainly stand out in scripture. Uh, this scroll was about uh, a little longer than uh, uh, 20 feet long and uh, five feet wide, a little, little wider than that. Uh, because the length of a cubit could could some go somewhere between 14 and 18 inches, depending on uh, the person who is doing the measuring. Uh, but normally we consider that a cubit is 18 inches, which is about the average length uh, from the tip of a man's hand to his elbow. Um, and Zechariah goes ahead, tells what the Lord said to him. Then he said unto me, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. So we're not 
dealing with a scroll that was filled with good news, but it was filled with uh, the curses that the law obviously contained uh, for every Israelite who was one of the covenant people. And he says, for every one that steals shall be cut off on this side according to it. And every one that sweareth shall be cut off as on the side according to it. And I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. Uh, since Ezekiel was so close, um, I thought I might read to you a moment just about the scroll that the Lord had put before Ezekiel, which started with Ezekiel chapter 9 and went a little bit into chapter 3. Uh, chapter, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 9, and a little bit into chapter 3, depending on where you want to stop reading it, I guess. Uh, and when I looked, uh, and behold, this is what Ezekiel said, was sent to me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein and he spread it before me and it was written within and without and there was written thereupon lamentations and mourning and woe and now in much uh uh, similarity, this, this scroll contains curses uh, very similar to the scroll, whether it is exactly the same in its writing. I do not know that Ezekiel saw. But in chapter 3, verse 1, Ezekiel says, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou what, uh, pardon me, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go and speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and uh, he caused me to eat that roll. Uh, the roll that John ate is for your reference. It's in Revelation, I believe, chapter 10, verse 9. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and to fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. 
Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth, sweet as honey for sweetness. Now, in the book of Revelation, John tells us that the roll that he ate there was also sweet in his mouth, but made his belly very bitter. Uh, I don't believe that is said here, but there would be much reason uh, to think that it did. Um, and uh, so the Lord speaks to Ezekiel as he would speak to us. And he finally gets down to the place in verse 17 of, of Ezekiel chapter 3. Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Uh, therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them one. This would have been from the words that were on the scroll that he had eaten. Uh, When I say, verse 18, in Ezekiel chapter 3, when I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Um, I've always um, wondered if I understand that properly. Um, I think what that is saying is that those who are saved are going to face those who turned away from the good works uh, regarding uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and regarding God's redemption. And we will have to endure the great white throne judgment and seeing all of those who will stand there cast into the lake of fire and wonder uh, what responsibility we will take because we didn't speak to them. Uh, I have noticed over my lifetime that many people who do not know the Lord are offended when I talk to them about God, about its salvation, and about his judgment. Um, and I, I don't know why it should be any different for us. I encourage you to speak the truth. I encourage you, like uh, Miss Betty is the greatest example I can think of, um, you are going to hear about Jesus Christ uh, whether she had known you 
for a moment or for all your life. Uh, and uh, she was certainly a testimony to us all. Verse 19 of Ezekiel 3 says, Yet thou warn the wicked, and he turned from his wickedness. Uh, no, pardon me. He turned not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. And so that puts even uh, seemingly greater weight on those of us who know the truth, but uh, leave our mouth shut. And the Lord knows that we may have had the answer that they might be saved from their wicked lives and from their iniquity. Again, verse 20, when a righteous man doth turn from his uh, righteousness and commit iniquity. Now here we got a righteous man who ceases. Uh, he walked with the Lord and then he was distracted uh, or he decided to feed the flesh and turn away from God. Uh, so when a righteous man to turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he hath done. My friends, we can't depend on the fact that at some time in the past, we seem to follow after the Lord. Uh, that is something that cannot be depended on. The question is, where are you uh, right now? In, in regard to your relationship to Jesus Christ and into the fact that you have ability to uh, make available to another the truth of the gospel, uh, which is, is a very simple thing. Uh, but this says the one who did good apparently for a long time, but he turned away from it. He did righteousness. He trusted in God. He was, his mind was on the things of God, but something happened. And because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. And finally, Ezekiel 
chapter 3, verse 21. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin, that the righteous sin not, what does that say? Read the book of 1 John. I ask you, you do with it what you think is right. But 1 John says, whosoever is born of God does not continue to commit sin. And so, Lord, uh, so many of us think that being religious is what the Lord is going to look to for, from us. But the fact is, whether or not we live our life after the example of Jesus Christ is going to be what God makes the judgment on. And uh, so, nevertheless, if thou warn a righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. There are many scriptures that talk to us about our, I hate to call it responsibility. I find that it is, it is more of something that is in me that I must say that the Lord prompts me to say uh, and even though none of us know every word of, of this Bible perfectly, yet if we are saved by Jesus Christ, we would uh, heed the words of let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so... Uh, back down to Zechariah and the flying scroll and the Lord has brought it forth and it enters in and is recognized by many sinners and the Lord will judge them where they have not heeded his word. The ninth vision your Bible may say uh, uh, that it's about an ephah. Uh, consider it a just a little larger than uh, a bushel basket. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, "Lift up now thine eyes." and see what is this that goes forth. So this basket 
is going uh, on a journey. And I said, what is it? And he said, this is a basket or an ephah that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their uh, resemblance through all the earth. Uh, behold, and there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this was a lid for the basket, and it was very heavy. And this is a woman that sits in the midst of the basket. And of course, Zechariah uh, is wondering who this woman is. And I have told you often that uh, uh, in all the Bible, uh, a many, many times is evil associated with a woman. Uh, you want to get to the end of it in Revelation 17, you will find that it is a woman, uh, which is uh, basically the same woman that's in this basket that rides the beast over the face of the whole world. And this woman represents uh, religion uh, in its form, that religion that has no substance, religion that uh, is not tied to the cross uh, and the blood of Jesus Christ, but is religion, which someone once said, is the opiate of the masses. And I can't take uh, issue with that in the fact that most religion is vain, for it has to do with doing works or going through uh, various ceremonies that make one religious. But the fact is that, uh, and if you want to know about what pure religion is, go to the book of James, and he will tell you that pure religion is demonstrated in your life totally by the way that you live. And, uh, of course, that involves your testimony for the person of Jesus Christ. And he said this, when, when talking about the woman that sitteth in the midst of the basket, verse 8 says, and he said, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the basket and he cast the weight of the lead upon the mouth thereof. And so uh, Zechariah was seen as the Lord was saying, let 
wickedness depart from this land Israel that I have uh, given to you that you might live before me and, and do me honor and do righteousness in the earth. And uh, wickedness is put into this basket uh, and is sent away, which verse nine tells us, then lifted up, um, pardon me, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold, there came out two women. Uh, now I'm not necessarily saying that these two women uh, are uh, demons or uh, something that has a negative connotation. Uh, I really don't know. But I do know that this says, for they had wings like the wing of a stork. And a stork in Israel, you may remember, is an unclean bird. And so there's some connotation possibly there of a negative aspect of the two women that carried the basket uh, with evil therein, sealed uh, with a lid of lead, and they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So where were they going? Verse 10. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, whither do these women bear the ephah? And he said unto me, to build it a house in the land of Shinar. And that may not mean anything, even though we have talked about it. The land of Shinar is that land most likely where uh, Noah first settled when uh, the ark was brought onto dry land as the waters abated from the earth and the land of Shinar eventually became uh, the place uh, where the ziggurat or mm. the tower that uh, is connected uh, to evil was built in a place that we believe is now the site of ancient Babylon. Uh, and again, uh, if you go to Revelation, you'll probably spend a couple chapters talking about uh, the uh, Babylonian evils divided into two parts. There was the religious Babylon, uh, which was the woman that rode on top of the beast. In other words, she was very well connected 
with the commercial world, which is signified by the beast and his followers. Uh, so there is a commercial Babylon uh, here in the land of Shinar, and there is a religious Babylon. To those of you who have forgotten that uh, at, the, at the time, uh, somewhere uh, before Christ came, probably in the age of the Maccabees, long about 300 uh, or so years bef uh, before Christ, the Babylonian mystery religion priesthood packed up and took all of their religious uh, doings and sayings and writings to a place which is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Um, just uh, checking you out, does anybody remember uh, it's one of the uh, seven churches that is mentioned in Revelation? Do you, does anybody remember what where it was? The church of don't remember either. Alice, I guess you don't remember. That's okay. Um, that was the Laodicea? church. No. Nope. Uh, nice. Hi, Fred. Sorry. Good to see you. Uh, no, Fred. Uh, that's a good guess, though, uh, given the description of Laodicea, but it was Patmos was the church. Uh, and it says in the book of Revelation that Patmos was where Satan's throne was located at that time. Does anybody like to take a guess uh, to when that mystery Babylonian religion decided to relocate where they went and what they are behind today. As they left Patmos, went to Rome. they went to Rome. Yeah. And, and the Catholic Church. And what we call uh, the Catholic Church. Although, I would say that we probably need to understand that the uh, a terrible uh, heresies of the Catholic Church, and they are terrible, uh, have, of course, the Catholic Church, as in 320, or so BC, when Constantine really began to bring the Catholic Church 
into a oneness in all the world. Remember, the word Catholic means universal. And uh, Constantine, when he wanted to add uh, various religious, pagan religious groups, because there was all kinds of paganism in the world in his day, as there still is today in ours. The world is filled with paganism. As a matter of fact, the United States uh, is, is quickly becoming, becoming a pagan nation. But uh, when Constantine and his, uh, his uh, uh, protégés after him uh, made religion, uh, the Christian religion, they not only made it legal, but eventually he made it the universal church of the land. He just took uh, the pagan practices uh, that were buried and sundry, and he added them as doctrines to the universal church. And that's how uh, that church uh, became throughout the early, uh, the dark ages and the middle ages and um, up into the time of Martin Luther. And, uh, you know, I've got in there in my, uh, in my bookcase, um, I think it is called Vatican III, um, uh, is still the propagation of the uh, heresies that have been gathered over two centuries that belong to what we call the Catholic Church. But if, if you have not noticed, then I tell you, you should, that most or a large part of what is called the Protestant churches are quickly uh, adopting or accepting of the uh, the hierarchy, uh, the the heretical practices, either by allowing them or by saying uh, we are not concerned about your heretical practices, but we all believe in one God. Now, that may not be the God that you and I believe in. He may be a Hindu a deity. He may be Buddha. He may be uh, some uh, tribal God from, from Africa. Uh, uh, he may be uh, the God uh, that the Mormons worship. 
uh, and I tell you for sure, they don't worship the same God that we do, uh, are the God of the Jehovah's Witness. Do you see that all of these uh, ways of worshiping uh, what it's considered uh, the, the higher beings uh, are not only pagan, because we think of pagan religions of having many gods. We know in the time of Rome, there were many gods that the Romans worshipped. And later, leading up to the time of Constantine, all of these gods were worshipped in Rome. But Constantine rolled them all into one. And from them, we get many of the pagan practices that we even, uh, I'm sorry to say, as, as fundamentalists still call uh, a part of um I guess what we would call our religion. Well, what are those? Well, two of them. One of them is Christmas. Uh, and the guy, all that goes with it, uh, the idea of Santa Claus, the idea of the Yule time tied log being burned, uh, the idea of uh, a man in a little red suit coming down off of your roof through the chimney uh, is something that we tell children about. Uh, I will tell you that we never taught Santa Claus to our children. But then there is even um, what many of us believe are, is also the sacred time of the Passover, uh, which uh, even I was guilty of calling Easter uh, until just recently, and I refuse any longer to call Easter one of the days that is holy unto the Lord. Uh, if you want to celebrate uh, the time of the Passover, uh, as the Jews do, uh, then you've got to get rid of all that goes with Easter. The Easter egg and the bunny and all the rest of that comes from the pagan religions of Babylon. And it's if you don't know it yet, and you haven't woken up, wake up. Because we do dishonor to the Lord when we uh, take these pagan uh heresies into our places of worship or into our hearts and think 
that God has some regard for them. Well, yeah, he has a regard for them, and it's all bad. And we have nothing to do with them. Uh, more than that, as far as holidays or holy days go, uh, we are not bound as the Jews were to those special days. Uh, if you want to celebrate uh, the Passover, I would say that it's all right, but you are not bound to it. We as Christians are bound to nothing but the oneness and our love and, and uh, our identity with Jesus Christ. Uh, I know that was kind of a long dissertation. Um, and if that means that, you know, I believe these things, we can't worship together, then I say, um, I'm not going to change. So, chapter six, the last vision uh, that Zachariah had, and I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came four chariots out from between two mountains. And they were two mountains of brass. Now, um, I will tell you that brass in the scripture is always associated with the judgment of the Lord, bronze or brass. So it would be a mixture of tin and copper. Um, and uh, what Zechariah sees are for chariots coming out between these two mountains which symbolize the mountain of Olivet, where our Lord uh, spent his last hours with his disciples, and Mount Zion, where he is going to be seated as king during the millennial kingdom. And in the first chariot, verse 2 of chapter 6, and in the first chariot were red horses, and in the second chariot, black horses, in the third chariot, white horses, and in the fourth chariot, grizzled or bay horses. That is, uh, they were spotted. Uh, then I answered and said unto the angel that talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said unto me, these are the four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before 
the Lord of the whole earth. Uh, I am not familiar with another passage. Uh, I'm not saying maybe I am ignorant that there is another passage, but um, regarding um, uh, it being put this way, that these are four spirits of the heavens which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. However, uh, one possibility would be that they are uh, the four spirits associated with the seraphim are uh, even possibly the cherub, which is both uh, outlined for us in the book. Uh, the book of Isaiah uh, is, I believe, is the cherubim, and the book of Ezekiel uh, have uh, the, the seraphim listed. Likely, uh, it, it is one of those, uh, the idea is here that they go over in all four directions. We look at the earth in that way, the north, the south, the east, the west, and they are uh, uh they are checking out what are the actions of men uh, in the whole of the world. Then verse six, the black horses, which are therein, go forth into the north country. The white go forth after them. So there's two horses that go up toward the plain of Shinar, and when they get through that, they get to Iran, and they get uh, to Turkey, and they get to Russia, and so that's what's in the north. Uh, and two of the horses went that way, and the grizzled are the spotted horses go towards the south country and the bay went forth uh, and sought to go that they might walk to and fro through the earth and he said get you hence walk to and fro through the earth so they walked through the earth, and it the is symbolic of um, the fact that God, uh, in one place, it talks about the seven eyes, uh, and God's eyes are over the whole world, and there isn't even the slightest action that He is not mm -hmm. involved in even down to the vibration of the particles of the atoms uh, and molecules. Um, the whole world is orchestrated uh, 
and is planned out to the finest uh, and to the grossest detail by the Lord who knows what's going on. Then he cried upon me and spake unto me, saying, Behold, thee that go towards the north country have quieted my spirit there. So the Lord did something in the north. I think perhaps uh, regarding the uh, defense of his chosen people uh, for the time being while uh, Judaism uh, was being restored both in Jerusalem and later on in the rest of Israel. And going on to verse 9 of chapter 6, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Take of them of the captivity, even of Heldai, Tobiah, and uh, Jed and uh, Jedaniah, um, which are come from Babylon. Come thou the same day and go into the house of Josiah. Now, this is not uh, the young king who had the great revival in Israel. These are Jewish names. Then take silver and gold and make a crown. And if you've got crowns in your Bible, I would uh, advise you that that word should be singular. Then take the silver and gold and make a crown and set them upon the, uh, set it upon the head of Joshua, who you might remember is the high priest, the one who wore the turban, the son of Jodek, the high priest. And Speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the, the man whose name is the branch. And we talked about him last time, uh, who is the rod that springs up out of the root of Jesse. And he shall grow up out of his place and he shall build the temple of the Lord. So as often in prophecy, we go from the present in verse 11 to an explanation of the coming of Jesus Christ in his first advent. And, uh, and then it goes on to his second advent, even he shall build the temple of the Lord and he shall 
bear the glory and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And he shall be a priest upon his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. Now the thing about Jesus Christ is today he is our high priest and he sits at the right hand of God and he um, some people may call him King Jesus and I, I don't guess I have a real problem with that but what I want to say is that in Israel there was no such thing as a king who was also a priest and the only mention in the Bible is referenced both in the Old Testament at some length um, in the book of Genesis and then again in the book of Hebrews and that is uh, the king priest who was Melchizedek and Melchizedek who was king of Salem and priest of the Most High God, and Abraham bowed down before him, and there is quite a story that goes with those events. Uh, he is the only priest king of that was really a priest king uh, in all of the Bible, and will be until Jesus Christ returns and his second advent and he will be king and he will be uh, uh, the, the highest of the high as priest uh, of his people, uh, the Christians and the Jews and all those who believe. Uh, the uh, crown that uh, was to be built, well, I maybe I better read the rest of it. Uh, starting with verse 13. Uh, no. With verse 14. And the crown shall be to Helam and Tobiah and to Jedediah and to Hen, the son of Zephaniah, for a memorial in the temple. And the reason they are mentioned is that the crown is made both of silver and gold, uh, which is prophetic of the fact that eventually all of the kingdoms of the world uh, like in the time of Solomon will bring many treasures of silver and gold uh, to Jerusalem as gifts 
to honor the king. And these men who were coming back to the Holy Land from Babylon were bringing with them silver and gold. And they that are far off shall come. Uh, and first off, I should say, uh, there was not an actual crowning of, uh, of Joshua as king with a crown, but the crown was kept in the temple once it was completed to remind the people that one day the king of Israel would come and would rule over them and have all the riches of the world as his own. And so it should be, it says in verse 14, that the crown was for a memorial in the temple of the Lord. And they that are far off shall come and build in the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. And that's obviously words from the angel of the Lord. And this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Now, we'll stop there for tonight. Brings us. Uh, through the uh, ten visions, uh, and we'll take us on uh, shortly into the things that God uh, will be doing uh, regarding the millennial kingdom. Uh, and we can see that he's already brought up the millennial kingdom several times. My friends, you will find as you study the Bible and particularly the prophets that the millennial kingdom are the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is, is always put before us um, and why? Because God wants us to know that one day he will rule in the earth. That one day the ravages of sin will be forgotten. And one day peace will rule <laughs> over the earth as the waters cover the sea. And so we look for him to come and say to him, 
even so. Come, Lord Jesus. What is going on in this world right now makes us to know the Lord is preparing for that day. And each of us should know that our mortal lives here, no matter how how wonderful we, we try to make them to be, no matter how rich or how well-to-do or how satisfied we are uh, trying to make ourselves in this earth, it is all nothing before the Lord. What should be on our mind? is the one who made us and the one who has graciously, he didn't have to do it, put us here. I should say that he didn't have to do it except in the character of God exists the grace and the mercy that is all part and parcel of his character is why we can look up to heaven and know that our God is there. And that we can look uh, at the Jews and know that he has a people in the earth and that we can look to his coming, that Jesus Christ will return. And we are told many times in the scripture that his coming is called uh, our heavenly hope. It is that which we long for. And therefore, the things and only then will the things of this earth be dim and our desires and our lusts and our desire for happiness in the earth will be set aside for we know that real happiness is only in the Lord. I remember when I was a young Christian, we used to sing a song, happiness is the Lord. So it is. And so we have taken up Zechariah with chapter 7. Next time, are there any questions that anyone has before I pray? Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Why do you think that the Latin in chap, chapter 6, verse 13, why do you think that it, it ended with, and this shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord oh. God? Yeah, I'm, 
I meant to really say something about that. Because it seems, it almost seems like an, an agreement that if it is, way, it has always been. And that's what the, the flying scroll was all about. Yeah. That the people of the earth would know that the curse uh, will come on the ungodly. Uh, and uh, just we are uh, blessed with the knowledge of where Israel went as a people after the time of Zechariah and Nehemiah. The temple was built. Uh, the Many of the Jews uh, kept coming back to Israel. And so we go to the pages of the New Testament and we find Israel um, and her priesthood and the, the, the minds of the people and what they were interested in and all the rest. And I would say to you that um, maybe a hundred years, we don't know exactly, uh, the Bible, you know, Malachi was the last book of the Bible, written some 350, almost 400 years before Christ. Uh, and uh, we know through other scriptures some of the things that occurred. Uh, but the fact is this, that what developed in Israel after the time of the rebuilding of the city and the walls and even uh, to some degree the nation uh, would not last because the people uh, as they always had were stiff-necked and rebellious and slowly they moved away from God to a religion associated with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. They took the, the uh, Pentateuch and they uh, wrote Jewish scriptures. Uh, I think it's, uh, I'm not sure if, well, I just won't say I'm not sure what to call it. I was going to say Talmud, but I, I think there's another book uh, where they minutely described uh, what all of the law was about. And they made it into something that men, if they practiced, uh, would do to please God. And so the people moved after Nehemiah uh, slowly away from a place of dependence upon God until and that, and it is no uh, uh, happenstance that God chose 
that particular people, when the people were religious and absolutely, uh, except for very few, to the health, they were self-righteous. And into that mix said God, his only son, that they might be saved. And he knew that they would reject him. And he knew there would be a cross. And he knew that he would build his church. And uh, all of us who are Christians also were on his mind. Um, but he never forgot uh, his covenant relationship with those people. And so we read here, if, if Israel had indeed uh, lived uh, according to the law in the way that God meant it to be, which was thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and all thy strength. If they had done that, when Christ came, they would have recognized their Messiah. Mm -hmm. But the Lord knew yeah. what they would do. Yeah. And he allowed it. And because of it, uh, as Romans mm -hmm. 11 mm -hmm. shows us very clearly mm -hmm. that some of the limbs mm -hmm. of the olive tree, of the real, of the, the godly olive tree, were broken off so that we, who are the branches of uh, the wild olive tree, could be grafted in. So there you have it right there. Uh, what happened at the time of the coming and the crucifixion of Christ uh, was uh, could happen because the people were farther away from God probably even when they were under the idolatrous kings that they had had well before this time, uh, shortly after the time of Solomon. Mm. Uh, so uh, self-righteousness, uh, I think the word of God teaches us of all sins mm. is the most uh, degrading and uh, blasphemous uh, sin that any of us could ever do. Did I answer yes, your question? Yes, you did. I was looking at that as when I read it, it sounded like he was only talking, I took it as a singular person that needed to um, obey. And, the, and that it, I wasn't seeing it as collectively yeah. that, it, that it was the whole group. Collectively. And they all had access to this scripture Mm -hmm. They had access oh. to these, and Zechariah yeah. was there. He so, told them these yeah. things, and Haggai was there, yeah. and yeah. Ezra was there, yeah. and Nehemiah was there. Uh, so, 
nothing that they did ever took God by surprise. Any other thoughts or questions? I just thought maybe it's the word of God, this flying scroll that had an impact or had a reason for it. And may we never, ever be not adhere, not listen, and not have ears to hear the word of God. It breaks yeah. my heart when I see Christians abandon uh, their uh, worship and their understanding that they are made for God. And that their ability to use this world for their pleasure is so much of an affront to the one who made them. Anybody else? Okay. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. I thank you for Judah's good question. Father, I pray for this little body that we would all know from the youngest, even though we may not know the word like we hopefully will know it, uh, but that we will know there is one almighty, all-powerful, and all-deserving of our worship that each young person would know and each older person would know and grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and would grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And uh, that one day, Lord, each of us could look forward and knowing that it, it could be very, uh, very close, but that really makes no difference. Uh, but that we could look forward to God uh, holding us in front of the universe and saying about us and all the people uh, that have demonstrated the reception of Jesus Christ, that God, that we could be among the number, that God will say, this is the work that I have done. And this is how the people who could have been living for themselves, this is how they loved me. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We lay our life down before you. We ask you, Lord, we know that we are not yet fully formed. Mm -hmm. 
We ask you to forgive us our sins. But we also ask that you show us, Lord, where we err, that we might not be offensive to you. Uh, And we might have, according to Scripture, uh, that reverential fear that you are God and that your word and what you have said to us and what you would expect because you have done all that is necessary through Christ, what you expect for us to be. We pray this will be done. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you all.